Welcome to Dr. Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Erin Wiseman. This podcast is all about learning to take care of yourself, your life, and your practice. Are you ready? Let's go. to one that is joy-filled, sustainable, and that you absolutely freaking love. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm your super sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, and I have a kick-ass conversation that I want to share with you from Dr. Lisa Rotenstein. And guess what? Her word is burnout. You know that I'm gushing all over that. Well, this conversation, we're going to talk about the many definitions of burnout, the experience of it. Is it moral injury? Is it burnout? Is it depression? And what do we do about it? So get into this conversation, gush with me, and then stick around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lisa Rottenstein. Thank you so much for coming on and hanging with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. All righty. Well, tell all of our beautiful audience all about yourself and the amazing work that you're doing in the world. Thanks um, again for having me. I'm excited to talk to this audience. So um, I am a doctor at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Um, I am in primary care internal medicine. I am also a researcher and really passionate about how we improve care delivery. Um, I have published on burnout in multiple outlets, including uh, JAMA, and then um, more recently I'm doing work on burnout in female physicians, um, and then have also done a lot of work on care delivery innovation, how we make care systems better for a diversity of patients. So I've published on patient-reported outcomes, on innovation incubators, and and also run a company called CareZooming. We try um, to help clinicians and administrators stop reinventing the wheel by publishing care delivery innovation protocols and connecting people doing similar work. And so I'd be happy to talk about any of these areas. I love it. I love it so very much. And I love that you tied in your word for the day as burnout as well, because it's at the whole heart and soul of your work. It is. And, you know, so burnout is something that we're luckily starting to talk about more as a society. Um, It's getting increasing attention, uh, both for trainees and for practicing physicians. In 2016, I published a JAMA study showing that more than a quarter of medical students have depressive symptoms and 11% have suicidal ideation, which is just mind boggling subsequently published in JAMA on the prevalence of burnout. And what we actually found in that study was that there are so many different ways that burnout is defined that it's hard to understand exactly who is experiencing burnout. Um, And so my passion is helping to characterize uh, the prevalence of burnout and understand its impact on our society, but then also using um, my MBA and management training to ask ourselves, how can we make our systems of care better uh, as a lever or affecting burnout and affecting people's experiences in the workplace. You know, and I think there's so many different definitions because everybody experiences it differently. 
So I think that's certainly one part of it, but I, uh, the issue is really what are we trying to measure? Um, and, you know, perhaps it's a research issue, but it's also a public health issue. And so um, there, there's a few facets to it. So certainly one is um, people are experiencing different things. And part of that is that people are experiencing factors that are related to work, some that are not related to work. And we, as a medical profession, need to do a better job of characterizing all those aspects of people's lives and how their work interacts with them. The other issue, though, is that if we don't have standardized measurement, it's hard to understand the full scope. So in my systematic review, studies varied from saying 0% of physicians had burnout to 80% of physicians had burnout. And it's harder um, to catalyze change around a phenomenon that we don't all measure in the same way. One of the areas that I think about a lot is to what extent is burnout different um, from depressive symptoms? Are they part of a gradation of symptoms? And that's something I'm actually doing research in right now. Also looking at um, differences in burnout between genders. We know that there is a higher rate of burnout in female physicians and asking the question of why is that and what can we do in our workplaces um, to enhance the experience of female physicians. So what do you think, you know, because I get that question a lot, you know, is it depression or is it burnout? What's your thoughts on that? So they really are similar phenomenon. Um, we, we typically think of depression as um, being context independent, so not mattering whether it's related to work, to personal factors, um, and burnout being something much more related to the workplace. And so there's certainly parts of the burnout scale that do refer specifically to the workplace, but it is many of the same factors um, that do end up influencing both. And so really, we don't need to think of them separately. What the, the interventions that we put forth to enhance um, mental wellness, to enhance the workplace that we all experience can actually impact both, which is really great um, as we think about where to put resources. And the other piece of it is, um, I, I think sometimes we draw a distinction because unfortunately there is still um, stigma associated with talking about depressive symptoms. And to the extent that we can reduce that stigma, I think we'll be in a better place for addressing burnout and depressive symptoms at the same time. Exactly. I was hoping that you were going to say that because whenever I get that question, I'm like, does it matter? Does it really matter? Is it depression or is it burnout? Because you're absolutely right. There is so much overlap that typically whenever you have interventions, it, 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 it works both ways. And, but I think it does come back to the stigma of mental health, particularly in physicians, that there's a punitive effect, you know, to say that as being labeled as depressed, um, where I feel like sometimes physicians are better able to cope with saying I'm burned out rather than depression. And so I'm with you. I hope as we move into the future, not only can we make workplace environments better, so we're minimizing this, but that we can help with that stigma uh, for our colleagues and, and for ourselves. Completely agree. And I, and I think that's the next frontier is um, understanding why we are trying to make a distinction between the two and asking ourselves, are we making the distinction for the right reasons? Is it really necessary to, or should we you know, be spending our time and resources um, trying to improve systems and trying to improve people's experiences. 
I 100% agree with you too when you're talking about having some standardized measures. So I do some healthcare consulting specifically around well-being um, within medical staffs. And, you know, that's one of the questions that, that I frequently get is, well, what's the best assessment? And it's, it just cracks me up because, you know, they've looked and, you know, there's several out there. And I'm so glad that you're attacking that because you're right. If we don't have standardized data, how can we really say that the numbers are reflecting accurate numbers? It's interesting. In our systematic review, most of the studies uh, published in the literature did use the mass site burnout inventory, but even within those studies, there was wide variation in the types of cutoffs they used, um, the number of scales that they uh, used to consider burnout symptoms. And so I, I think that is the next public health priority is getting on the same page about what we're measuring so that we can we can take concerted action. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Definitely. Okay, here's another question to throw at you. You know, it's big right now. Is it burnout or is it moral injury where you stand on this? Hmm. You, you know, as you can probably tell from, um, from the conversation so far, I'm much more of an interventions person than um, a semantics person. And so once again, I would ask for that, how, how, does, how does the label change the approach? And for me, I'm not sure it does. I think we have to look at many of the same factors that are driving either moral injury or are driving burnout. To me, those are about how we organize our system. What doctors spend their days doing, how much time they spend with patients versus how much time do they spend on paperwork with the electronic medical records, um, trying to push for something that they think should happen, but actually there's a lot of red tape around it. I, I, those are really the factors that are driving both burnout and moral injury. And so that should actually just tell us that there's work to be done um, and the classification doesn't necessarily matter so much. I think we have a really great opportunity to be learning from other industries to be learning, you know, management practice about how we create good systems. And that to me is the next priority in American healthcare, both for patients to have good systems of care, and then also for physicians to be experiencing joy and care when they are doing their work on a daily basis. Yeah, I think right now, kind of with all the squawking about it, I think it comes down to the blame game. And I'm with you. Like, I don't want to jump in the middle of that. And so I, I, I tend to push back on the labels, too, and just say, um, I recognize your experience, whatever that is, however you label it, wherever you're coming from. Let's move forward in action. Maybe that's just the life coach in me. But <laughs> I just wanted to hear your side of it, too. Yeah, um, I think there's so much work to be done and the work looks really similar. I think we have identified a problem and now is the time to ask ourselves, what do we do about it? Uh, and why does it matter? We know that burnout is associated with worse quality of care. It's associated with decreased retention in the physician workforce. It's associated with cutting back on hours of work. And so it's both an issue of doing right by our physicians, but it's also an issue of ensuring that we have adequate healthcare access for our country. If our physicians are experiencing burnout or cutting back on hours of care, um, you know, our patients aren't getting the access to care that they need or the right care. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say to our listeners out there, um, our physician peers who are hearing us talk and are looking maybe for a little bit of advice for themselves? 
Uh, you mean in terms of alleviating burnout or just general advice? I mean, since you've really dug into the research, yeah, what what pearls of wisdom do you have to spread out among us when it comes to burnout? Either things that are coming, interventions that seem to be promising. I think everybody kind of knows the individual factors for which to work on, but I would just love your take on the more cultural systemic aspect. Yeah, so I, I would tell people out there, if you are a leader, think about what you can change in your organization. There's actually a, a really interesting study, I believe in JAMA Internal Medicine, that looked at whether it's individual targeted or organizational targeted interventions were more effective at alleviating burnout. And they ultimately found that it was organization-directed interventions, so changes in call schedule, um, changes in work arrangements, changes um, in how uh, people were leading teams and managing teams that were the most effective for alleviating burnout. So that's the message I would have to leadership. And then for, you know, all the physicians out there, I would say get engaged in your system. Um, there are so many opportunities for frontline physicians to say this isn't working right. And it's likely that somebody else has thought that too, right? They've thought that this particular process could go better. And it's probably likely that patients have thought about it as well. Um, so that's what I would say. And that's actually exactly why I started CareZooming, the belief that each of us sees things around us that could be better in our systems of care. And we just need a few of the tools and the connections um, to get going and to start improving our systems and be proactive. Awesome. Yeah. Tell us more about CareZooming. So CareZooming is a platform that connects people doing similar work and then crowdsources content from all around the country, from journals, from innovators, about how to improve systems of care. We're focused on ambulatory right now and then are starting to expand into inpatient, and we publish how-to guides on how to improve your next behavioral health intervention, how to manage chronic disease, how to implement telemedicine, scribes e-consults, whatever it may be, into your practice system. And in contrast to journals that provide the P is less than 0.05, we provide the how-to. What were the workflow steps? Who were the team members? Um, what kind of budget did this require um, to, to get your intervention going? Mm -hmm. I love it. And so I don't know much about your platform, so you're going to have to take it all the way back to the beginning for me. Is it like an online forum? Is it a like electronic product that is purchased? Fill me in on that. Yeah. So we have a free online platform. You can go to our site at www.carezooming.com. You can sign up to get our weekly newsletters where we send out the latest how-to guide for care delivery improvement. You can search our database. So you can say, I work in an academic medical center and I want to work on scribes and we will have a recipe for you, a how-to recipe for improving your clinic or your academic practice. Um, you can submit your work and you can connect with people doing similar work. Um, we also have opportunities for tailored content. So if your organization would like a deep dive on a particular area and best practices in that area, we can provide it. Um, but go to our site and you can, there's a free sign up link for anybody who's interested. Awesome. That sounds so great. It sounds like you're starting to um, get all of these little individuals populations that we all know are around the country that are doing great things and putting them all in one place so they're super accessible, peer-reviewed, best evidence. I just, I love it. What a great idea. 
that's exactly right. We realized when we started this, that there was so much disparate information. There was so much that we could learn from each other, but we often all worked in our own silos to improve care, feeling really disconnected and frankly, reinventing the wheel. And so we are creating a place where you don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. You can find out who has done something like you're trying to do in a setting similar to yours. Awesome. Now, just digging a little bit deeper, is this part of an institution or was this an entrepreneurial effort on your part? This was an entrepreneurial effort on, on my part and the part of my co-founder. And we have an exciting team of editors, um, evaluators, content managers. So we realized there was a need and then we created the will across the country to um, to start collecting this information and to feature it all in one place. Um, we are grateful to have funding from several different institutions um, and also to have the participation of leaders from all around the country sharing their work. Yeah, I love it. Well, you are just a great cornerstone example of, you know, looking at a problem and not staying stuck in it, but actually keep moving forward in the solution. So kudos to you and your co-founder and to CareZooming. And I do have to say, I have a little bit of a girl fan crush on you because of course I read your research and use it all the time in presentations. Thanks for using it. Um, we're, I'm, I'm glad that the word is getting out there and I'm grateful to you for highlighting it to audiences across the country. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thanks again for your time. Dr. Rotenstein for coming on the podcast and educating us on the work that you're doing, the incredible resource that you have launched out into the world, and just sharing your views on this very near and dear topic to me of burnout. All right, you ready for that kick of encouragement, everybody? I've got four tips for you today when we're talking about the topic of burnout. First of all, one, it's not all your fault. Da da da. Did you hear the research she presented? Have you looked at any of my recent topics where we're showing the evidence that the culture and the system of medicine is contributing two-thirds to the issue of physician wellness? Our part, our personal part, is one-third of it, but it's the pool in which we're swimming in. It's toxic, and we've got to change out the water. We've got to get some new filters in place. It's not all you. Point number two is you are more than a questionnaire. From this conversation, did you pick up about how all the questionnaires are different and we don't have any really good standardization? Even when people use the Maslow inventory, I think it's really important to recognize yourself, your own individual needs, and remind yourself you are more than questions on the page. I think it's important to have those questions, to have an assessment, to bring awareness on maybe when they ask one to five, one being the best, five being the worst, how are you doing? And you answer five on everything, buzzers should be going off, womp, womp, womp. You need help, but you are more than just that questionnaire. So I want to remind you that. Point number three, get your house in order first. Before you try to start taking on the healthcare systems, the culture of wellness, all of that business, you get your house in order first. 
you put on your oxygen mask first. You remember whose pulse is the most important in that room. It's yours. So even though personal wellness is not the huge magic bullet to making this equation better, it's the first thing that you must do in order to improve your life and your practice. So get your house in order. And point number four, the system has to change. It does, guys. You know it. I know it. And we could all make a little bit of impact in our own little worlds that we're working in. But first and foremost, I want you to get yourself the healthiest and the most well that you can. So here's the tips again. Number one, it's not all you. Number two, you are more than a questionnaire. Number three, get your house in order. First things first. And number four, the system has to change. It is my awesome pleasure to put out these podcasts to you to talk about this important issue of burnout and wellness for physicians and everyone in the healthcare system. I'm just so blessed to be able to have a platform and all of you listeners out there who are embracing this and who are making sustainable changes every single day in your life. I just want you to know that. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I've got your back. I have calls available if you're interested in talking more to see how you can do things on a personal level or to see how I'm doing things on a larger grand scheme level and how to make this world and our practice a better place to work. So with that, remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.